Forbidden and Banned, The Bane of Bureaucrats, exposing mainstream media's weapons of mass distraction. Flying under the radar and dropping truth bombs on tyranny. It's Liberty Now. Kia ora, hello and welcome to Liberty Now, the show for discerning minds and common sense. I'm your host, John Verd, trainer, piper, Navy diver, and Liberty lover. And I'm here today with a fellow American, a guest, uh, also a Liberty lover. We met recently at a Voices for Freedom meeting, an expat like me. Um, we'll talk maybe more about that um, in the future as well. Um, while we're introducing here, I'm just going to play uh, sort of a video montage of some of the protests that we were both at today here in Christchurch. It was a beautiful sunny day and thousands. I don't know how many people were out, but uh, people out there in the streets marching for freedom and freedom of choice in particular in light of the vaccine mandates that we've been seeing um, all over the world, but particularly harsh here in New Zealand. While, uh, while that's playing, if you want to check out the video, feel free to go and see the video version of this podcast at libertynow.com. Charles, welcome to the show. Thanks, John, for having me on. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting listening to you talk uh, at the last meeting, and I definitely wanted to get you on because you are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to treatments for COVID-19, and you've got a lot of in-depth knowledge about that, but Tell us a little bit about your, your work background. Where, where did you start in your career? I did start thinking that I was going to do the MD-PhD route, and I've always had an interest in human health and uh, human wellness. So it seemed like a logical choice at the time. That was back in the early 90s. And what I really discovered is the lesson I've been trying to share with people today, which is medicine does not equal health. And the medical paradigm does not generate a worldview that generates or engenders health, uh, yeah. as we've seen all around the, around, around the world. So quickly, it turned out that I, I was not going to be able to follow that route, even though I did work in preventive medicine for years with a great physician and learned a lot of things along the way. Uh, it just wasn't going to be the right path. So I meandered in this world through education as another career, running a family business for a while, uh, and then finally deciding that uh, education in the U.S. had just become more of a circus. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah, yeah it's, as you know, it's you're, really you know, declined. You're... Yeah, I, in fact, that was, I think, one of the things that we were looking forward to, maybe perhaps a little bit of the motivation to, to move away from Seattle, yeah. where we come from, where it's sure. extremely... Um, the new definition of liberal, which is, which is, yeah, you're, you're an Ill, illiberal. City, illiberal. But, yeah. It's not, it's not liberal by anything that we ever thought of as liberal. Yeah. And, and education is not about critical thinking or, you know, no. um, the merits of, of your um, learning or, or abilities, but just about making sure that uh, everybody feels like they're, being treated the same, but there's no, there's no room for advancement. And it just ends up that everything is brought down to the lowest common denominator. They're lowering the testing standards. And I mean, you, you know, all about that. So you, and, and I wasn't in a liberals as liberal a state as you, I'm from the great state of North Carolina. So yeah, um, you, you would think there'd be a huge difference, but 
when you realize that, you know, uh, going back to one of the last years that I taught, which was in the early thousands, you actually had a passing score, a state score in the math exam of 30% was considered a pass. And the questions were given to eighth graders that were certified for fourth and fifth graders. Uh, So what we've done is insane. And I think the last straw for me was, uh, you know, I've been telling off the principal of my school for a number of years as he became more and more liberal. And then finally he said, your new job is to make kids feel good. And I said, oh, wow, you know, they have enough drugs for that. And I yeah. said, you go find yourself someone else. Yeah. <laughs> and right. I decided to go in. And the next stage of the career was to, um, you know, say, I've been helping these students for so long to become the best people they could be. And some of them were pursuing higher education. And I said, yep. you know, it's time for me to take my own advice and pursue higher education in a real meaningful way. So I've always had yeah. a background, you know, in, in biology, medicine, health, uh, physics, but I took that to the highest levels possible and did, you know, master's in physics, uh, and then master's in bioinformatics, PhD, computational biology and bioinformatics. So I became very adept at understanding how to do research and how to understand statistics. And and really, since I've always had a love of science and questioning Socratic method, it's been really, it's been really wonderful uh, to get to that level where you you can have real debate, because that's how humans learn. It's not shutting down opinions. Yeah, you don't shut down opinions. Yeah, (laughs) you know, universities seem to be like, uh, you know, safe places now and, you know, no room for critical thinking, no room for questioning. It's, uh, it's oh, sad. It's, it's the opposite of, of what it was intended to be. So this was all in South Carolina. Oh, no. So uh, I, my, I was born up in Connecticut. So I, I spent okay. some time up in the, uh, in the very liberal state of Connecticut. Oh, uh, yeah. I said, okay. And when I got into my twenties, time to go. Yeah. <laughs> time to get out of here and, and kind of hit a few other states on the way, but ended up in North Carolina. North Carolina, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, North Carolina. Cool, cool. Um, and so you've been in New Zealand how long now? So I officially started here in New Zealand in uh, right at the end of 2013, beginning of uh, 2014. Oh, I you're right here. Post-quakes, yeah, right you're in Christchurch. Yeah, yes. yeah. Tell, so tell us a little bit about the story, like what, what got you here? What motivated you? Yeah. Well, to be brutally honest, uh, the economy after Barack Obama in the United States was not a, a very uh, hot economy. It was, it was pretty, Indeed. pretty bad. No, it, you could find work, but you could find entry level jobs. You could find, um, you know, you could be a clerk or you could be a research associate. Right. I, I thought for me that that's not acceptable. And I did not want to pursue the academic route for all the reasons we just talked about. Yeah. Um, that today's colleges are what we would have considered middle school and high school um, back in the nineties and yeah. grammar school back in the fifties. So no have point you, in going there. Yeah. Have you ever looked at like really old texts? Like, you know, Seattle was getting to the point where I was seriously considering homeschooling the kids even back then. And uh, I started looking through some old homeschooling texts, you know, and, and uh, I was going online and researching. And they were referring parents to some of the like old texts from like the 1800s, you know, for the basics, at least, you know, mm. uh, math and, and geography and some other things. And I was looking at that and I'm like, wow, this this stuff is beyond, you know, high schoolers now. 
like it was far oh, yeah. advanced from what we would have expected from kids, you know, in uh, primary school. That was an eye opener. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that, so you ended up, um, you're done with it. You had enough and, and you decided what well, made I had you enough, decide so, on New Zealand. Yeah. So here's the deal. Uh, I had a lot of options after finishing the PhD. I'd done one year of a postdoc at NC state. And I said, you know, since I, I really want to have options and I'm at, at a, a later state in my chronology, I said, I'm, I'm not going to settle for anything less than a senior level position. And uh, I, I just want to see what's out there. So I, I interviewed yeah. just internationally. So I, ne- I ended up with lots of offers throughout all different parts of the world. And when it came down to making the final selection, it's, it's surprising now, but I actually thought, you know, New Zealand is a place where we can actually make a difference. We are a small team of people working together. Yeah. We don't buy into some of the insane narratives that have run through certainly the U.S., certainly parts of Europe. And I, I thought this would be a really great place to, uh, you know, to start the next part of the journey. Yeah. So that was what motivated uh, the move here to just pick up and go and, and, and start over in, a, in a, the other side of the world. Yeah. So, yeah. so what did you, uh, did, did you start working with a, a university or a company here or what? Yeah, I started working uh, with one of the uh, national research labs here in New Zealand. Yeah. And I had a senior level position. Uh, the, the company, when I came here, is, was great. I, I think they're still great. The unfortunate thing is that administrators seem to be um, the elements that destroy every institution, because as soon as you end up with administrators who come in, HR reps and senior, you know, chief scientists and whatever, they come in and they're not about the process of science. They're not about having open discussions. They're about, yeah. hey, have you heard? You, you now have to go to critical race theory. You need to feel guilty about the way you were born. And <laughs> yeah, we're sorry. Start apologizing to people, and then and it just gets worse from there. So. Yeah, and this has infiltrated yeah. like all kinds of industries, you know, not just social sciences. It's it's like you have to think a certain way instead of just getting on with the science and research. It's mm-hmm. it's all there's like this social agenda. Yes. And it's where it just doesn't belong. It's yeah. So now you're in uh human health. Uh Yeah, well, here's you started the, here's your own the business. I started my own business because I'm thinking you know, I'm on the other side of the uh, the great divide <laughs> of middle age, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, I've always picked my jobs based on a few criteria. Uh, you know, I want to do honorable things. And I want to do things that generate good karma. Yeah. So I, I also want to be able to survive and provide for myself and family, not be a burden in society. So I've always said to my uh colleagues that I work with, I'm going to do these jobs with you as long, as long as this is, is a good match and it's interesting and fun. I wake up in the morning excited about being there. And when that stops, then I move on. Yeah. So uh, two years ago, I said, okay, I said, I'm not going to just walk away from my research position, but I'm going to start doing something that can make me feel good. Like I used to feel you know, seven, yeah. eight years ago, nine years ago. So I started the company Healthy Being Systems to address what we said about health, you know, medicine is not health. Medicine does not equal health. Right. Uh, medicine does not take you to health. Uh, the paradigm is incorrect. 
you know, if you break your leg and then you need it fixed, medicine is fine. But if right. you are in a state of disease, long-term chronic disease, because of the choices and behaviors, there is no medicine that is going to fix that. Right. Yeah. Western medicine seems to ignore the root cause and just, it's all about treating symptoms from my layperson's perspective. Um, and it's, it's a big pharmaceutical medical model. It seems like, you know, there's a pill for that. Mm. That was my experience, you know, has been for the last, you know, 10, 15 years when I go to the doctor, um, they're just, you know, all about treating symptoms rather than sure. digging in and saying, well, you know, what might be causing that? And what, what, what's the cause of that? As you say, the Socratic method, you know, digging down mm. to find out. Um, but unfortunately it seems that, you know, there's not enough money in that, or it's too time consuming for the doctor's precious time. Uh, I'm sure there's a number of factors, reasons for that, but it certainly doesn't seem like, you know, the, the patient's health, you know, the underlying causes are really at heart in uh, Western medicine. Well, they're not. Well, because the paradigm isn't suited for, for dealing with dis-ease and health. It's not suited for that. Right. The paradigm is based on an assumption. The assumption is that there is an aloe, something other, an allopathic, some other substance for the pathology that you have. So, John, the, the reason why you don't feel good is because you're, you have a, uh, a deficit of Prozac in your body. So, (laughs) right. Uh, Or, you know, Hey, John, uh, the the reason why your blood pressure is 200 over a hundred, you know, is because you you don't have uh, enough of this blood pressure medication in you. So you have a shortage of that. You need a deficit, take this. Right. And the, again, the entire model is wrong because anyone, even a kid would be, well, daddy, if, if, you, if your blood pressure is so high, what's, what's bugging you? What's, what's going on? They start yeah. asking questions, right? Well, no, no, physicians don't. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely right. So you, you have a, a health consulting and advocacy business. Um, I like your slogan, your journey to health starts here. Um, right. Yeah, what, what's your 30 second elevator pitch for like, what do you do? So we are a change delivery system, I like to say. So it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter where you come from. We all have a history. We all have a past. We've all made decisions that have gotten us to this point in space and time. We're here. And what we do in our company is we offer the ability for people to make better decisions so that they can have a better future. It's really as simple as that. Nice. If you don't like where you are today, then question the decisions you made that got you here and let's make better ones. So we provide the tools and the uh, knowledge, the education and the methods to do these things and the support, because let's face it, if if it was just knowledge, everybody could do it. You know, even a caveman Mm -hmm. could do it. Right. (laughs) Right. Remember that commercial? Yeah. It's not that easy. It's not that easy. So that's that's it in a nutshell. You know, everybody says, what's the magic? This is really magic. It's really basic. Yeah, really basic. Well, so um, do you have a definition for healthy or what does what healthy mean to you? Well, yeah. So most people would say, oh, health is the absence of disease. Right. And, and I would question that. And I would say, well, if uh, if you're, def- you're defining something by what you're not, it's sort of like defining your political party by what you're running against and oh, not yeah. telling Good us what point. you're for. Right. Right. So when you talk to somebody about health, it it's going to evoke in them 
responses and interactions on multiple levels. And it really depends on the person. For a person who has never had any issues, take a 25-year-old who's never had any health problems. You know, they're eating McDonald's and drinking liters of soda every day. And they're just like, oh, whatever, you know, I'm yeah. fine. You know, they haven't really spent too much time thinking about health because they haven't, they haven't been challenged. They haven't had any problems with their biology. Yeah. Right. right. Take now take another person who's 25 years old and is, you know, type two diabetic, their hands are tingling. They can't do the things they want. Their physician told them they're not going to have a baby. Suddenly, their life is in a very different position because they've been awoken to this, uh, these issues that they're right. saying, oh, my health is not what it is. So health is more than just, you know, whether you have the disease or not. It's how you're interacting with your environment. It's how you're interacting with the biology around you, with the chemistry around you, with the sociology around you, and with your own internal psychology. So yeah. just briefly. Yeah, I, I can I, just say a couple, a couple of key points I'm right off the top. If you yeah. have wrong expectations, what's going to happen to you? You're not going to be healthy. If yeah. you have a mental, just think about with the politicians today and what they're doing. If your mental view and your mental model of how the world works is super skewed, it's really off balance, then when you apply that model, it, you don't find coherence between reality and what's happening internally. You become diseased so wrong right. expectations wrong mental models right off the bat you've got two things that most people would never think of as being related to disease or health and those are your key drivers yeah in fact i there was a definition of of uh insanity or or mental disease or the primary cause of it i, I wish i could remember it might have been albert schweitzer i don't know that somebody said that um it's uh it's a difference between your belief system and your actions. If you behave um, in a way that isn't consistent with your belief systems, then that leads to um, mental disease and probably physical. Well, that's right. And that's right. And, and you look, there are a lot of people out there who do uh, natural based medicine, holistic based medicine, and they'll tell you that, you know, they use that adage of as above, so below type yeah. of notion. So as you create your reality in your mind, you're also expressing it in the body. We know for a fact that a cancer patient who has been told they're terminal and there's nothing they can do and they have lost hope is much more likely to be gone very quickly than a person who has a lot to live for and says, ah, I'm, I'm going to fight for my life. I'm changing. I'm making the difference now. Yeah. And, and this is this is well known. Of course, allopathic medicine has nothing to say about it. They're like, oh, well, you know, we don't know why it's, we can't explain that. And, you know, who knows? Go see us, go, go see a witch doctor, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, it's, it's cool that you bring up like the, the social and mental aspects mm -hmm. of, of health, because I think it is a, a bigger picture than just, you know, your, your physiology, because, uh, you know, one affects the other, um, well, both, that's right. both directions. Um, and, Today, we're being bombarded, as you were saying, uh, by fear porn constantly just and and in fact, I had a video clip of uh, undercover video from Project Veritas interviewing the, the uh, I think the director of CNN, one of the head journalists there saying that, uh, yeah, fear sells. I mean, just very matter of factly. And they know that. And, you know, if it's all about getting the numbers, they don't care 
what it's doing to people, people's mental health. And, no, no, no. Um, and you know, even, um, you know, that kind of constant stress can affect our immune system. And in, you know, in light of today, yeah. this, this, this pandemic, which I continually have been saying and believing is, is way overblown, at least compared to the, the government uh, response that we've had around the world. It's caught the government response has caused way more illness and disease and problems and deaths than the virus itself. I think you're exactly right. It, and it, it seems like, um, you know, we, we don't have uh, a, a working immune system anymore. We're not allowed to have a native natural immune system. So like the big question, can we survive without big pharma? Has our immune system now been outlawed? <laughs> well, I, I would tell you this. Again, go back to the model that's being used. A natural immune system is not compatible with allopathic medicine and the paradigm they use. It's just not yeah. compatible. You, you know, we talked about schooling and what happens in schools. What happens in medical schools is determined. The curriculum is determined by the pharmaceutical industry and yeah. things like the AMA. Yeah. The, so, the funding goes right back to um, the Rockefeller Foundation, Ford Foundation, yes. that, that have their own commercial interests. Quite mm-hmm. clear. Well, that's you right. Know, follow the money, people. So you mentioned fear and the fear porn. And I, I think this is exactly what has driven us to what is known as the mass formation. Yes. We have ended up in a, in a situation where, to be, to be brutally honest, we're not all experts at everything. We can't be. We have to be parents. We have to be, you know, children. We have to be brothers and sisters and people who go to work and people who are breadwinners, right? You, you can't just spend all your time doing research. Yeah, so, that's it. Exactly. So at some point in a healthy society, you would expect a, a media to be reporting at least somewhat accurately, delivering all the information, not less information, not selected information, not just all of it, because it's a phase space. It's a configuration space of information. And it's your mental model interacting with that, which is going to get you through and get our society through. So as you went through the last two years, you saw people saying, oh, that part of the phase space is out. You can't go in that area of the information space. Well, you can't go here and you can't go there. And therefore, all the mental models that have been formed are wrong. Right, right. And that's that is the biggest frustration is that, you know, um, I know a lot of people are waking up to the fact that the the mainstream media, 90 percent of it, you know, is owned by a select few corporations. I think it's under four or five umbrella corporations, which goes right up to the very top to just a couple families that really sure. own the majority stocks in, in these companies. Right. You got the black vanguards and then who yes. owns there? Who's the primary stockholders in them? Right. Yeah. So, so of course, you know, when, when anything contravenes the narrative, you know, that goes against the, the big money-making pharmaceutical medical model, then that information is going to be censored. And so we have this, you know, the social contract has been broken and, you know, we're not allowed to get truthful information anymore. Or, or we are, if we, you have to, as you say, be like a researcher, a research scientist almost, and you have to dig into and question every single line of every news story before you can really get to the truth. Some of us, yeah. like you and I have taken the time to do that and read some history books and, and learned that there is a, a much bigger 
plan or, or scheme behind um, what's been going on. And again, as I've said, uh, you know, COVID-19, the, the pandemic is not about a virus. It is about control and a much bigger plan that goes, it's about control uh, and one world government, to be quite honest. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's evident if you're willing to read a little bit and look into it. But yeah, you're right. We're not getting that from the mainstream media. Yeah. Well, like we said, I think you and I were talking at one point and we we're saying, look, if if the people who were actually supposed to represent us and, you know, Kiwis, yeah. uh, United States, Americans, uh, Canadians, the British, right, the UK citizens, if we actually had empathetic, compassionate people, when these first models came out, from you know in, in london and king's college and they were saying millions are going to die they would have said okay look we have to be really cautious to, we don't have a lot of information space right now so let's yeah. move and they would start saying look let's get the data out to you as quickly as possible so for example when we saw that it was people with the comorbidities that it was emerging right away people with insulin resistance people with diabetes diabetes all of this were massive contributors to the people having these horrible outcomes because of that second phase of the illness right we didn't hear any of that there was no compassion there was no empathy there was no there was not even respect it was complete derision from the beginning hi yeah. thank you very much i'm a bureaucrat i know more than you so shut up and obey right i mean That's we even we see the, beginning. the the bureaucrats and world leaders uh, going against the advice of thousands of doctors and scientists and researchers who are far more well-qualified and they're going uh, relying on, you know, the world health organization who has themselves, you know, a few um, qualified doctors, but not as qualified as say the inventor of MRNA vaccine, who's been calling into question (laughs) whether this should be deployed in, you know, young children. Topic for another question, yes, or another episode. But uh, rapid fire, and just the time we have left, I wanted to ask you a few questions um, about you know in your healthy being systems practice. Sure. Do, do you work with uh, kids, older adults? Who's your? We'll work with anyone. Yeah. We'll work with anyone because you know health is is a something that is a lifelong process. It's lifelong learning. We say the journey to health starts here, and it really starts when you become conscious and be have an awareness of what's going on. Just like our journey to liberty starts now because we're realizing that by abdicating our responsibility to government officials, we have essentially abdicated our liberty. Yeah. So it's the same notion. So when, what we do is, we, I mean, I'm, I love working with kids because boy, the kids have tend to be much more responsive than the parents. You try to tell a parent, you know, hey, yeah. you, you, you need to change that diet a bit because, you know, everything emerges from the body. So you have a biologically appropriate diet and lifestyle. And the kids get this. They understand yeah. that the things that are, but the parents don't get it because the parents are usually very addicted to foods and addicted to behaviors. Yeah, more so, set in their ways and all yeah. that. Yeah, so in some sure. ways, some ways the kids can become an, in a family, a kid can become an ally for the entire family and help oh, mom yeah. and dad True. To, True. To, uh, to, to make that journey more successful. Yeah. And you work primarily online. Is that right? With your clients? Cool. Yeah. And and that's, there's two reasons for that. Well, there's the nonsense that's emerged in the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, there's also, I don't want to be a a person that can only work with people that are located within, you know, 
a, a few clicks or a few uh, miles of our physical location. It doesn't sure. make sense. Yeah. So by doing kind of what we're doing on this podcast, by, by being able to reach out and using other means, uh, having uh, chat groups where people can have instantaneous feedback, where you can have discussions. Um, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, it's got about a couple minutes left here. Um, how can people get a hold of you and find mo- out more about your work? Right. So we have the, our website and, and I apologize because I'm not a web designer by trade. That, that's not something I've had a previous career in. So uh, I have built the website, healthybeingsystems.com. Okay. I'll make so sure I put that link on our yeah, website put, too. We can put all now. the links up after yep. it. So yeah, the, the short story is, you can you can call me because my phone number's on the website, uh, and it's awesome. on all my business cards. It's on all my flyers. You can just call me. Uh, you can email me, right? You can get me on MeWe, uh, okay. and you can get me on Facebook. Although I'm really disgusted with Facebook, so I'm I'm trying yeah, to flush that. Try, try not quickly. to do as much on there as well. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so cool. there's a lot of ways. If you've got pigeons that are well trained, <laughs> you know, just we may come to that. Try a pigeon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, yeah, <laughs> boy, I, I say that half jokingly, but no, yeah, no. it's I know it's it's not as uh, sort of locked down in other parts of the world as it is here in New Zealand, and and we're also fortunate that it's not as bad as other parts of the world as well. But the jig is up; it really is. Yeah, you look yep. everywhere around people. You know, it's that consciousness is starting to. You know, I say there's a lot of people in sugar comas and other types of comas running yeah. around. Uh, but they are starting to wake up. Everyone does it at their own pace and, and, and within their own capacities. Yeah. But yeah. we're seeing it. I mean, just what we saw today is uh, encouraging. Absolutely. Awesome discussion, Charles. I really appreciate your time. And yeah, um, I, I love talking with you, whether it's whether it's here or just when we're hanging out. It's all. Yeah. Good. And, uh, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah and no, maybe thanks we for can, having me on. Yeah. And uh, maybe we could talk uh, more, spend some time in another episode about uh, some of the treatments that you've researched um, in the event that you do become ill with flu or sure. uh, COVID or any other similar illness. Look, look, John, it's so simple. I mean, I, I want all your listeners to know this the first and foremost thing is to remember that you are a human being who has survived all the way to the present and have a long chain of successful ancestors, all with working immune systems. If, if you are afraid right now, you need to lose that. You do not need to be afraid. Yes, we are all mortal. We are all going to die. But healthy people don't spend all of their time worrying about that because we already understand that. We know that we have to do everything we can in time we have. That's what health is. And we don't worry about our, our mortality. We go on with life. And you yep. know what? It's all okay. So you're not going to die from you know, coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2 or, or whatever. Unless you do, unless you make choices that are going to make you extremely comorbid. Right. And if you make those choices, then, then you need to fix those things, but you don't need to live in fear. There are so many options. When I tell people the basic, simple things that their physicians and their healthcare providers refuse to tell them about how easy it is to treat a cold, a flu, a coronavirus, RSV, whatever. Yeah. And they go, Oh my God, nobody ever told me that. And I'm like, I know. And that's the problem. It's the paradigm again. Yeah. 
Well, Charles, uh, we're going to sign off and thank you so much for taking the time. I, I really appreciate it. Um, and for those folks who, who'd like to learn some more, uh, please go to libertynow.com and see the show notes, post the video up there, and I'll put some links to your website and some of the other things that we talked about. And until next time, do the right thing and keep asking questions. <laughs> <laughs>